Oh, hello. I'm Brian, host of Street Fight Radio, and also on the Patreon of Street Fight, a wonderful Patreon it is, we are doing a series this month called Now We're Cooking. It is a podcast about Dane Cook. Uh, I recorded a lot of episodes ahead. I thought I had enough, and I did, but I recorded some of them the wrong way. So what I'm doing is, this week, this day, this fine Thursday, you are going to get the episode of, of Now We're Cooking about Torgasm with Kath Barbadaro. Uh, this is, was meant to be a Patreon show, but uh, we decided, I decided to make it a free show to show people sort of what you can get on Patreon. Now, for you people on Patreon that are like, what the fuck? I pay for this shit. Why are you putting it free? Well, guess what? You're going to get a show tomorrow, too. It is a, uh, uh, a Patreon show. Uh, let me look real quick. I just wanted to give you a quick uh, answer. You are getting... Um, uh, ma, 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 ma. You are getting... God damn it, Brian. You're a fucking dummy. Uh, January 6th, Q Mars Salahe from Delete Your Account. Good luck, Chuck. So... There's still a Patreon episode this week. I just wanted the people on the free feed to know uh, I do fun stuff on the Patreon and it's uh, going down. So I would love it if you subscribed to the Patreon at patreon.com slash street fight radio. Uh, there will be more cool stuff in the year and I love you and enjoy this episode. Well, you know, when you live on the internet, nothing is ever over. We've all been in that situation where we say things that we regret. We've all got the regrets. From time to time, something slips out. And you stop and you go, why would my brain even go there? Hey, now we're cooking. Uh, I haven't recorded a day. Uh, now we're cooking in like a week. So I think that's how I host it. It's a podcast about Dane Cook. This week, we'll be talking about the first three episodes of Torgasm because there ain't no fucking way anybody was going to watch all the episodes of Torgasm, including <laughs> me. My co-host, my my guest or co-host, whatever we're calling it this week, is Kath Barbadaro, somebody that I have Torgasmed with. So yeah. I thought it would be very fun for me and her to watch uh, the first three episodes of Torgasm and then... Uh, uh, talk about how fake it is. It's the fakest show I've ever seen. It's so fake. And also, I just, when you said, like, I, we only watched the first three because who could watch the whole thing? When I found out there were nine of these, <laughs> I was blown away just by how this whole thing should have been a 28 minute short film, like tour the entire on. tour. I guess you could have done a, a hour and 45 minute documentary, maybe. Yeah, if you I don't know put what the other episodes were, though, you know? If, yeah, like if they had put more actual stand up comedy in, it could have been, uh, yeah, like a concert film, you know? Like they did, I mean, the Comedians of Comedy came out like the year before this, which, like, I know you've had people on this, on this Dane Cook retrospective who were like really into Dane Cook. I was a Comedians of Comedy person. So, like, that was the one that I watched. 
And I had never seen any of this. I mean, I knew I knew Dan Cook. I thought he was fine. Like I didn't hate him or anything. He's but okay. I mean, I kind of hate him now. Uh, but I don't think I hated him. I don't think I hated him before I started. Now we're cooking. Like, I think I always felt like he's a case of one of those people who who gets very popular. And then for some reason, every, Nickelback, he's fucking Nickelback. Nickelback is yep. not like the worst fucking band in the world. I mean, I don't I like some of their songs, actually. How you remind yeah. me. I dig that song. I'm just, I, I play it all the time. So. But all of a sudden, everybody just decides this thing sucks. And you actually yes. said something to me in the DMs about kind of you were into the alt comedy thing. And like, that is why that that like you didn't ever have to turn on Dane Cook, you know, like like that. He was not going to be in your wheelhouse, I guess. Yeah, like I I didn't I mean I probably because like that was a signifier of being an alt comedy fan a yep. little bit was having was not liking Dane Cook, but it's just like those are such separate streams of comedy that like I didn't because I'm I'm like he's touring in, in Torgasm and it's all colleges, right? Yeah. And it's 2005, I think he was doing this. I'm a little bit younger than that. So like the the crest of the Dane Cook wave, I'm just a little bit younger than and didn't really have to like deal with. Cause like, I don't know, people in my high school didn't really care about comedy in general. Nobody. So like yeah. Nobody in high and, school does. It's like crazy. <laughs> right. So uh yeah, so it didn't really like come up. And also he's from Boston. And that's something that I thought was interesting about this is all these guys are from Boston. Mm -hmm. And so like I mean, I grew up really close to Boston, so I feel like there's a little bit of that, like, he's not like a hometown hero, but like, I don't know, I feel like I have, and watching this, particularly Gary Goleman, like, he just reminds me of, like, people that I know, he, on, Gary Goleman honestly reminds me of one of my uncles, like, there, there's just some, like, familiarity to it, because they're all, like, New England people that, I don't know, I'm, like, when I'm watching this and there's not a lot of Dane Cook material in this, like no. basically none. It's him making noises and running around <laughs> and singing. I love grilled cheese, which like is what his material is. I fucking, Oh my God. I <laughs> that really know bummed me I out. wrote that as a note or anything, <laughs> but was I just, I, I, I put myself in the position of the guy that he made sing. I love grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to, I would, I would, oh my God, I don't even know what, I'd have punched him in the nuts maybe or something. Like that was such <laughs> an over. It was horrific. Of what a person in an audience does. You know what I mean? Just, and, and I'll say this in, in, in vicious circle. Yeah. Vicious circle. Me and John watched that. And, yeah. um, there's a scene in, in Vicious Circle where a guy, a very clearly very drunk guy in an arena, he's performing in the round, which we decided is the world's dumbest thing for a comedian to do. Insanely bad. <laughs> so, so bad. Stupid. Like, I, awful to see a comedian's back. Also, I, like, I, I just feel like when I'm performing on stage, I would feel so vulnerable if there were people behind me. Like yes. the whole point is that you're relating to an audience that is that you are looking at and that is looking at you, which obviously you can't do when you're performing in a Dane Cook sized 
arena like i mean these colleges aren't that big but like his fucking madison square garden or whatever you can't do that anyway but especially having people behind you it's just like the physical sense of threat i would feel yeah. <laughs> like when also, your adrenaline is up when you're on stage if there's people it's just bad it's I think really it also cool. encourages bad behavior in the audience which yeah uh, i i the, in that because if he's not looking at you then I, I don't know how and and by the way for the people that decide to watch the stuff that i'm reviewing whoever filmed vicious circle didn't I've, i'm very concerned that he didn't even know it was in the round like, <laughs> like that's the thing that worries me the most but like it is like i don't want people behind me because i don't want them talking and yeah talking feeling like they're like behind me and your whole thing if if you're on stage is you're supposed to be manipulating the energy of the audience mm -hmm. you can't do that if you can't see them like and they're not only can you not see them but they're not looking at your face the thing that is um, emoting the and it's just like insane to me well, i know there's jumbotrons or whatever but like it's it doesn't work it was also so funny on on vicious circle because a guy is very drunk and yes. uh and they left it in which i think was such <laughs> dumb shit but uh, a guy's super drunk he runs up to the stage and he's like hey man you're doing great or some shit like that he was just yeah. the guy's trash and dane he handled him so fucking well that there was a point when i was watching it that i was like Oh, maybe Dane Cook is like really great, but then you know you watch the material and it all sucks. You know the material show, is bad, but I do think he is talented. Like, yeah. and this show is so free of material; it's really hard to make that like evaluation. Yeah. Even for Dane Cook, who is like sort of famously not about his material, this has like even less. But he is like he is a charismatic performer. He has a very specific voice and perspective. This kind of like it's like like frat guy but like kind of weirdly like he has sort of like a jim morrison-y like lizardy thing about him like it's a specific thing and I, I think a lot of people have emulated it and not done it as well as him. Yeah. I, it's not my thing. I don't like it, but yeah. I can recognize that like it is a it is a specific talent and like he you know he's a comic who started in Boston at a time when like that was a really good place to be doing and starting comedy. Like he did learn. I mean, and again, like uh, like Robert Kelly, I feel this way about too. Garbage material, just like yeah. absolute trash. But like as a guy. I get why people responded to that guy. Yeah. And like, he's somebody who like, if I saw him in a movie, just like being himself or something, I'd be like, great. But like, I absolutely don't want to hear that guy's material. You yeah. Know? It, well, you know, and I, 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 I mean, you know, we got to go back when you said you were the alt comic person. Well, this is the period of time where I'm maximum into Opie and Anthony. So mm -hmm. Robert Kelly is general is the reason I watched this. And yeah. I think it had this, I, I got this feeling watching it before of like, oh, this is fun. You know, it's a bunch of guys having a good time going on tour or whatever, you know, at the mm -hmm. time, I think it, uh, and I'm going to bring this up 
a little bit. I think it prevented me from doing stand up for another five years. Uh, <laughs> watching Jay Davis work that material, oh, work that God. Joke, it made me just like, I can't do this. There's no fucking possible way I could do this. Working out the uh, kill him with kindness joke. And uh, yeah. it just seemed Ooh, like that was rough. Nightmare. I had to put a lot of that on mute because it was <laughs> it was painful for me to watch. Watch him try to nail down a real garbage bit. Not <laughs> a good just... joke. And also like. <laughs> But, but like, I feel like this show, the, people have described in, in, in the past, I can take this back to wrestling because you watch wrestling too. You know what I'm talking about? People used to always talk about how WWE wrestling was Vince McMahon playing with his toys is, is mm -hmm. the way that I, I, you see that. And it's like, he has all these guys. He's just sort of mashing them all together. I got the vibe that Torgasm was Dan Cook playing with his toys. I really yes. felt like I, you I, I, seeing it this time, you could see the like sort of psychology of like he got the biggest room, which, hey, it's his tour. He, he can have the big room, but also yep. like he planned. It seems like he planned all of the outings, which misery. That's just misery to me. Awful. Yeah. Doing an outing. <laughs> The, it, that's like the fakest shit. I but I agree with you. Like I think this is to, this was totally cast by him. But like I kind of wish it was. I feel like if because he was doing that, there sh there should have been more of it. Like the the most compelling thread I found in in this, which was not really explored. Maybe it is explored in the nine other episodes because <laughs> like holy shit, nothing happens in this. Like, I can't overstate how little happens in it. But when Dane is talking about how Robert Kelly's trying to steal the show every night, that's interesting to me. Yeah. The fact that he brought this guy who's a veteran, who is like somebody who like growing up in New England and liking stand-up, I knew who he was. Like, he, Also with Opie and Anthony, he- With Opie and Anthony, yeah. Yeah, he was a he was like a, a very regular Opie and Anthony guy. Like as in, if Jim Norton was out doing something, was, they would have yeah. him come in and, and co-host, so. And he's like, he's somebody who, I don't know the, the relationship between the two, but I'm gonna guess from what I know about Boston standup and stuff, somebody probably Dane looked up to and is now more successful than. Yep. Like, that's a really interesting dynamic. And then you have Jay Davis, the like newbie who's maybe like in a little bit over his head. And then you have Gary Goleman who's going through this sort of thing of like, is this even really my audience? Is this even really what I wanna do? I don't feel connected to my material. Maybe I only find that stuff interesting because I do stand up, but like that to me is so much more compelling than like them fucking riding segways and like ball tapping each other and making Jay Davis cry. Like, well, I don't know. Okay. Now, <laughs> I think that that is a per the Jay Davis stuff. Uh, these guys are not good actors, and I can't yeah. play audio <laughs> to orgasm because HBO Max blocks it from from me playing it but i will say that i can't find any information on jay davis number one so yeah i don't know if he does stand up anymore he can't he can't possibly do anything because if you google him <laughs> nothing comes up and when you go to the orgasm wikipedia his name's not blue like i Ooh. think he quit for sure doing stand up and i mean being on the road for 30 days with these guys, I probably would have quit too. <laughs> at it's so like in your at that point in your career. And it feels like Dane said, Bobby, you 
I cast you, Bobby, to be an asshole, to to yes. make fun of people and to goof on people right. and be mean. The hazing of the veteran comic of the newbie, the classic. Yeah. And Gary Goldman, I got you because you uh, uh, have a different vibe. Like uh, uh, he, I, I, I found myself like, because uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna bring this up now. I gotta bring this article up now. I have a Daily Beast article where Gary Goldman's talking about his time on Torgasm, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Number one, he didn't. Uh, he left in the middle, and they yeah. had to beg him to come back. Like he was like, I just don't, I don't want to fucking do this. This is not for me. <laughs> Which, yeah, you fucking, I totally get it. Um, and and just saying it's not for me because the audiences aren't for him. But like he said, he was miserable, and a lot of what we've actually been talking about now has is is sort of some of the stuff. Um, he goes, uh, he okay. didn't want to ride horses. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, so he said. Uh, this is an edited excerpt of the of a conversation. So uh, where were you in your career at that time when you ended up getting the opportunity to be part of that tour and what ended up being a reality show? Because they didn't know it was they hadn't sold the show. Dane Cook didn't yeah. really super hit until after the show had been filmed. And mm-hmm. the 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 shocker. I, I hate that. That makes me <laughs> naming. We didn't even talk about that. Naming the show Torgasm sucks. <laughs> thumbs it's down. Really, yeah, it's a really bad. Thumbs down for me. But even <laughs> if we're saying, okay, he named the show Torgasm and that sucks, he has the what he calls the Sufi, but it's what yeah. we called the Shocker. Back right. in the day, the guys would do, you'd take a picture and a guy would be like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, and, and at first it was called two in the pink, one in the stink, but people didn't like that. So they changed it to a shocker. <laughs> and Dan Cook fucking trademarks that. And, and I was told by somebody that does comedy in uh, uh, L.A., that that flag was flying over the comedy store when they moved there. Drew, Drew Spears went there and he, he said that flag flew over the comedy store for a very long time <laughs> until yeah. he did a show at the laugh factory. Then they took it down. There was oh, and they took it down. That was the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, but wait, what did Gary Goldman say? So he goes, I'd just been on last comic standing. So I'd done some TV and was selling tickets on my own. But the interesting thing was that it dissipated really quickly. I was sort of back where I started after the show went off the air. It was short lived. I mean, it was pretty much a sh- summer and fall of being the flavor of the month and then just going back to really hustling to sell even a small amount of tickets. And it was frustrating because all I wanted to do was be able to tour and get out and earn my living as a stand-up comedian and it was Mm -hmm. next to impossible it was a real struggle so that's where i was i had just come off last comic standing maybe six months prior and we're shooting tourgasm but it was on spec as they say in show business which they don't give you don't get paid to do it you're getting paid for the tour but you're not getting paid for the but not to have your life uh filmed all the time on tour which like i 
I've toured with you. We had a great time. There were certainly moments where each of us got cranky. Like, imagine how amplified the crankiness would have been if people were sticking cameras in our faces. And we all genuinely like each other, unlike these people who are somewhat randomly associated. Yeah. I mean, randomly associated through one guy that is so clearly in fucking charge. The Mm -hmm. bus you're in says Dane Cook orgasm on the side. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. It would. <laughs> one thing you don't see in the three episodes that we watch, nobody fought with Dan Cook. They were very true. Yeah. Yeah. Goldman had like a moment. Bobby Kelly would like, would like, like physically kind of jostle him like in a big brother way. But there was no, no ball busting. No, none of that. None of that stuff. Absolutely and, not. And Dane did some really nasty shit in the episodes we watch when i say really nasty shit i i the one i want to bring up is jay davis is doing his taxes on the bus which listen you're fucking driving forever it doesn't yeah it doesn't fucking like you don't have to be engaged and i know you're doing a tv they're doing a tv show and i fucking get it you know but like they didn't have to just be like you don't want to be engaged with each other the whole fucking time and why not just let a guy sit down and do his fucking taxes let him do his taxes the other (laughs) two of you can talk they can film them then you guys can get a break and you know yeah then dang comes in dang comes in and dumps water on the dude's taxes and I didn't really, I didn't notice that he dumped water on them. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so evil. He walked in. What a fucking monster. He caught, there was a bottled, he had a bottled water next to him on the table and it didn't have the cap on. And I, apparently the, I think there was a rule that you had to put the cap on your bottled water while the, while the bus is moving. And Dane's mm-hmm. like, oh, see. And he's like, and there's like a little moment of that. And then Dane walks away, turns around and dumps the bottle on the guy's taxes what a fucking asshole <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah and that guy doesn't he he he's like oh get your shit up hey come on yeah. that's messed up dude but like it's like that is beyond fucked that is like hit a person fucked up actually right. in yeah. my opinion um yeah so no that's serious he goes uh dane was just filming it on his own and i guess planned to either sell it to his fans on his website or sell it to a network and then by the time that tour was over he was the flavor of the decade i mean people were going crazy to try and work with him and so he to- sold it to hbo and they produced a series out of all of his footage that looking back on it i had no idea anybody was ever going to see it so I was happy to be miserable the entire time. And then they asked what his reaction was when he saw it. And he said, I remember thinking to myself, had I known anybody was going to see it, I wouldn't have been so miserable and maybe I would have been on better behavior. But in the moment, I just thought it was kind of cool. And again, I was hoping it would help me sell tickets. Robert Kelly and I went on a tour after it aired, but the show was about Dane and we didn't sell that many tickets, which I want to say that like that, is sort of the business of comedy that you get these waves where like you do something and a bunch of people see you and you're like that's it i did it and then it just dissipates it doesn't like something like this isn't going to make it so you sell tickets for the rest of your career and uh and like it never was like that but it at any like the dream of it ever being like that dan cook was the last ride of it like that's (laughs) 
2005 was the end of that was the end of I went on Letterman and now I can tour comedy clubs for years like Mm -hmm. it's it's gone by then and I mean that's like kind of what spurred the rise of 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 alt comedy was like it was that like the club comedy was getting tiresome but also there wasn't money in it like the reason alt comedy became a viable form of comedy was because all this stuff went away like because touring rock clubs ended up being something that could you could make about as much money doing like regular clubs at and And much uh, more fun and and the 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 comedy club stuff in any city i don't know what it is and i i know what it is here and i remember uh when i was doing stand-up in 2011 i was like well how do i how do i get to do this at the funny bone because that seemed like the place Mm. you had to get to and I remember talking to the person saying, well, you got to you got to go in and you try out in front of one guy. You don't. Yeah. You're doing your material in front of one guy. It's not like you're in a room and then he decides whether he thinks it's funny and then then you can work the club. And I'm just like, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not doing that. Yeah. What that guy thinks so I can yeah. perform so I can perform in a mall. And the other side of the wall <laughs> is the buckle. And I'm supposed to fucking do anything to get. To get $20. Yeah. Like, fuck this. Yeah. yeah. So doing. Clubs, I mean, I like. Doing. I, I started in clubs. Like, I I have I have a soft spot for the comedy club. Like, the, the classic two drink minimum. I, I like them. But uh, they are not. They are certainly not a breeding ground for innovation. No. Or, like, vital, uh, you know uh forms of of the art form or whatever but yeah well it's also relating to that it's so interesting when and i'm sorry if this is like too shop talky about comedy but like uh when jay davis is working on that terrible bit and we see it we see it bomb a couple times and then one time he does it and he totally blanks he just like forgets what he's talking about on stage and he acknowledges it and he goes back he acknowledges it to the audience and sort of tries to play it off and it doesn't really work. And then he goes back to talk to Dane and Dane's like, never tell them that, like never acknowledge that it's material. Like don't, don't let the, the cause then it ruins the illusion of, of the act. Okay. Like it's so weird. Cause it's like, so the opposite of like literally this parallel form of comedy that is happening at the exact same time that has ultimately become much more popular and has aged much better um than this which is the like attempt to like remove all of that artifice like alt comedy was like going up with a notebook and talking about what happened to you that day it's like Mm -hmm. the complete which like that don't get me wrong that also can suck like i also I, I think the thing that I appreciate about Dan Cook is that he is a he is an entertainer in a way that I think a lot of alt comics are not. And like I uh, I have a lot of respect for that part of the business because like that is what I, I think it's like kind of the same affection I have for professional wrestling. It's like you're putting on a show like yeah. you're not this isn't about like your uh creative uh aspirations being met this is about you entertaining people who like paid for a babysitter like 
that that's Dane, what this is. If Dane's saying like, "Hey, don't ever let people know you blanked," or or what? Oh, he's don't wrong. He's absolutely wrong. It's material. It's like that is like people thinking that when you go to a pro wrestling show, you think it's real. right. It's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. I've, it's it's exactly. It's like it's like not acknowledging that you botched a move or something. It's <laughs> like so stupid. Yeah, I would uh, say I. It's just like everybody in the room knows it's fake. We're there to watch a thing like a performance and that's what stand up is. And I don't think it hurts at all to acknowledge something like that. I think it actually helps in a way humanize you because I've lost my place a few times, like where you're just like, I don't fucking know what I was just saying there. And then just moved on and said something about it. And people are like, ah, yeah, that's cool. Like it's not like people don't care. No. Yeah. It's like, I think to me, what I try to think about is like, People came to watch it because they want it to be good. They don't want it to be awkward and uncomfortable. And so if you make a mistake or you lose your place or you like acknowledge or if you break the fourth wall or whatever, if it's in the service of making people more comfortable, it's the right move. Because like people are not going to laugh if they're not like feeling like they're in good hands unless you're doing like an Andy Kaufman thing or something. But like if they just feel like you're an amateur they're going to be on the edge of their seat and they're not going to have a good time. So like, yeah, that's been it's, something- it's such an interesting thing that he says there. It's so counter to like every instinct I have as a performer. That's been something we've been talking a lot about, like uh, on the, on the Patreon about like how, how this stuff, how, when you go in to do a performance in front of people, cause we're, we're concurrently right now, I'm recording both this and another series called gut shot where uh, we watch uh gut felled yeah. monologues, the jokes and they're bad. They're the jokes are oh. so bad and they die. <laughs> the audience doesn't laugh. Right. And uh, we've been talking about a lot about like uh, uh, when you go see a show, you sit down in the seat and you absolutely 100% want it to be good. You don't, you will give them every fucking license so that when you leave, you can say, I went and saw this show last night and it kicked ass. You know what I mean? It was really good. You missed out. (laughs) It makes you feel good in your decision-making. And it's also like, if you're, doing comedy and it's not going well that becomes the audience's problem to deal with and that sucks like it becomes their responsibility to fix if you can't fix it because you're eating shit that's on them now and that's like awful you really don't want that yeah that was the j thing the j them doing like okay so we have a young comedian he's just getting his shit started um Let's give him some advice, which I would have fucking hated if I, I would have been like, <laughs> that's why he quit comedy. I would have been like, fuck you, Dan Cook. <laughs> you go out there and hump the fucking stool and you're telling me your process. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Everybody's process is different. But like, um, that is the kind of stuff that kept me from doing stand up. I, I joke around, but like, uh, Opie and Anthony. And I don't know how good I am at performing or whatever, but like Opie and Anthony making fun of people for bombing or whatever was a big, like, oh, I can't bomb. It'll be so bad if I bomb. If I go do stand up and I bomb, it'll be the worst thing that ever happened to me. And then like seeing 
are hearing because with Opie and Anthony, it was you did hear like a lot of very successful comedians talk about their process. That was sort of one yeah. of the first places that people yeah. were having comedians talk about their process. They didn't even do that on Howard Stern. And like you no. would hear it and you'd be like, I don't know if I, I don't think I have the skills to do this. I'm not, I'm not this kind of, uh, uh, I don't have this kind of skill. And then watching a guy like Jay Davis go and do his, his kill him and with kindness joke. And it just doesn't get anything was just like, I, I don't know if I could ever live like that. I don't know if I could, <laughs> I think I'd have to die. And you know, I've talked about my first time doing a, uh, uh, open mic. The second I was done, I ran out the door, got in my car and drove home. Like I didn't even See, want to fucking look at anybody. <laughs> and that, I think that's the, the difference. First of all, I think you're a very good performer, but I think that's the difference between you have found your medium. Your medium isn't stand up because I ate shit the first time I did an open mic. And my first instinct was, when can I do another open mic? I need to get better at this. <laughs> I was, and same. like, that's the, Okay, so you did feel that. I got like three laughs, four, maybe five laughs. I don't know. I did get laughs. And I was like, oh, I think I can do this. But I just didn't want to talk to anybody Engage. else in the place. I wanted to just I be see. away. I, I think I was still pretty embarrassed that I did it. And yeah. uh, it is yeah. shameful. That is that is true. <laughs> well, but it's no, it's weird because like you do you get up there and there's a light shining in your face. You can't see the audience a lot of times, which was really hard for me because I was like, I think I'm supposed to look at the where do I look to yeah. see where they're reacting to stuff. Like I had heard all of this stuff on like Opie and Anthony. I was trying to like apply that to doing an open mic, which is a totally different thing than what they're talking about. And also yeah. I don't think there was ever going to be a time where I was going to do like the kind of comedy that Bob Kelly does. That's just like not sure. Yeah, I am, you know, or the Jim Norton does or any of those guys do. It's not, that's not the kind of guy I am. That's not the kind of stuff I do. I, I, I think I'm better at maybe telling stories than I am at just writing jokes. Although I've written some jokes. I mean, I just, it's just, I think if you life. wanted to, you would be a very good stand up. but I think you have found your thing. Yeah, like, and better, it's, but... it's a little different, yeah. uh, you know, I, like I, I certainly think you could. You're very funny or a good performer, but yeah, I think but, you, I think you found your thing. But, but stuff like my thing is had it. Oh, go ahead. But um, stuff like this. It, this is pre Mark Marin's show too. Yes, this stuff was so mystified, and this was supposed to be a look behind the curtain, and it's a wildly unrealistic tool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fake in so many ways. I do. Before we move on, I do want to say the thing that. Watching this, the thing that if I had seen this at the time, I think would have put me off stand up wasn't so much that I think like bombing 100% feels like you are dying. It feels like you are physically in the throes of death. It's very scary. Um, but then it happens a few times and you realize it you don't actually die and it's and it's, it's okay. It's funny. It's yeah, it's funny. Like it's ever happened to me. I'm like, Ooh, oh, man, but it makes you feel one of the biggest strong. like you know one of the greatest joys you can like one of the best gifts you can give 
comedian friends is bombing in front of them. It is mm-hmm. a beautiful gift you can give your your friends. Um, it but my thing that like, would have prevented me from doing makes you feel like you can handle anything. I'm sorry. The yeah. worst possible scenario you live and it feels good. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It does make you feel like tough. It gives you a thick skin. That's how I feel about roasts too. Roasts give you a thick skin. Yeah. I, I'm happy I've I've done them. But the thing that I don't think would have bothered me. I don't watching Jay Davis is like tough, but it it wouldn't have deterred me. I think what would have deterred me was the way they treat him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really lucky in that I started in a scene that didn't really have a lot of that. At the time I started, it it didn't have a lot of that energy to it, which like a lot of smaller scenes do have, like Boston is notorious for people like that. And I think if I had been like hazed in that way, I would have quit. I would have just been like, these people suck. I don't want to be around them. Uh, this is like nasty. I'll just write or like, I'll take a sketch class or something. I won't do open mics because these people are mean and I I need to do my taxes. Like don't pour yeah, water on don't them. Don't water on my fucking taxes, Dane Cook. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I, yeah. yeah, the hazing stuff has always irritated me. It's one of the other reasons why I felt like I walk, I went around the line by not doing yeah. open mics after like a year. I did a year of open mics and some shows and then was like, eh, I'm not going to do this. And then I decided to do my thing. And then that's what ended up with me on stage was like none of the it's very like, especially in Columbus, I guess. So I can't speak to any other scenes obviously and this isn't a big scene but it does feel like you just get the vibe that nobody really likes you and especially the kind of i i always felt like the kind of uh uh comedy i do the the sort of jokes which is it's still roughly kind of the same thing was stuff that at that time fucking nobody was doing this whatever dirtbag stuff that they call mm-hmm. it now. You know what I mean? In 2011, that that wasn't a style that you did. Yeah. There was nobody doing shit. There wasn't anybody talking about payday advances and, and doing like mm-hmm. real hard drugs and shit like that. And like the other comics seemed to really not like me, like not want to talk to me, not want to spend any time you know, getting to know me or anything like that. And then one of the last nights I did it, um, I, we were sitting at a table and a guy walked up to talk to us, to, to meet me and Brett. And, um, cause we've been around for a few months at this point for like six months at this point. And he's like, Hey, how you guys doing? And we sit there and we have a conversation and, uh, it seemed like we were like having fun, just chatting with each other, joking around. It was pretty fun. And then he got called up on stage and he said everything, like he was just doing his material to, to yeah, us in a conversation. Bleak. And I was like, I can't so bleak. do this. Yeah. This yeah. is not for me. I didn't want to end up like that. I didn't, I mean, and I also don't think I wanted to end up like Bob Kelly or, or any of these people who seem profoundly unhappy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is like. It, it's interesting to see, and and it's it's also interesting because like I don't I don't know Gary Goldman very well, but I do know him a little bit, and I like I know he is like a really fanatical guy about like comedy process and stuff, and like that like to my experience of touring with comics is a lot of really boring shop talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. and because that's what we're interested in, like that's what we like. 
And these guys, like, don't seem to ever talk about comedy. <laughs> like, they don't seem to really enjoy what they're doing. Um, I mean, like, Dane gives a couple sort of, like, faux introspective interviews about it, but they're all, like, really vague and weird. Like, he's like, I know something's happening on this tour. I don't know what. And it's like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> that was so funny. But the rest of them, like... Maybe they just cut it out because it's boring, but like none of these guys really seem to enjoy the act of doing comedy as much as they sort of reference the fact that they do. The, they don't behave like people who do. Exactly. The clip I wanted to play on here wasn't about comedy process or anything, but it was what I found to be the most interesting part of what I was watching. And it was the very poorly acted uh, porno discussion. <laughs> Oh my god. That was Yeah, so all the conflict between them in this was so fake and weird and pointless. Like yeah. not interesting. It, to me again, the interesting conflict would have been Bobby Kelly's trying to steal the show. Like that's interesting conflict, yeah. not one guy's mad cuz we're talking about porno and so we're going to be mean to him and then he's going to fake cry. Well, I think also if we're going to be fair to Bobby, uh he's way different than the other. He is the most Yeah. Like he's an original way different thing than everybody else on this tour and him touring colleges is nuts to me. Like I remember yeah. I used to hear uh, Patrice O'Neill talk about college gigs and I'm yeah. like, why is he doing college gigs? Like that seems like it would just be the worst possible place for him to perform. And he hated it. Or you hear Bill Burr doing it and you're like, yeah, wow, that is fucking crazy. And that's how this felt with Bobby Kelly feels like he's in that world of like, he's yeah. a club guy. He's a club comic and he is that kind of aggressive. Uh, you know, he has that kind of aggressive style. Dane cook doesn't do that. That's not no. Cook is almost like I know they didn't show much of it, but it's I mean, Dan Cook, I will say this. He's a much dirtier comedian than I remember him being. I did. Yeah, I had no Very idea. sexual. Oh, yeah. Tons of it. Just and it's like some real nasty stuff, too. Like in vicious circles, some of his material is like, you know, the class. You couldn't say that now. <laughs> like, yeah. Very well, I stuff. like. The thing I was thinking about, I tweeted this the other day when I was watching it, because it's like, truly what I remember about comedy at that time was that like, you could get like a standing ovation applause break if you were just like a handsome, like straight, but a little bit effeminate, like your t-shirts are tailored type of guy who just said taint a lot. People yes. would go insane. Like, if you talked about your taint and didn't seem embarrassed about it, people would be like tearing their hair out for you it was crazy dane was like dane is such a weird thing because when you start thinking about like what his material i don't know like i would call it a beat i guess you know the stuff i cover on, sure. on street fighter or whatever i'm doing that's that's the beat and i never feel i don't feel like dane has one but if he did have one He's, he's a fucking sex comic guy, which is, yeah. and I think, you know, you, you don't want to, I, I don't like, he was so popular with young women and I think, you know, 
that's the hardest group of people to get into stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not trying to, I, I mean, you would know, but like stand-up comedy nerds or people that are in way into stand-up and have to go to a stand-up gig are most, like, it seems like mostly dudes. So I think that's another thing to throw in there about the backlash against Dan Cook. It might yeah. have also been a lot like the backlash against boy bands. And shit like that, where or he was appealing to women. He was people like women found him sexy, which yeah. is also like that's also sort of a classic thing that that male comics talk about with hecklers is like when they get a male heckler, it's often a guy with a date who feels threatened by the fact that huh. they're making the woman laugh. Like that's there, and they're trying to sort of assert themselves. And so I could definitely see that being an element of the Dane back. Backlash is like, oh, this guy's making all our all our women laugh and he's cute and like yeah, his t-shirts fit really well. I just his tailored t-shirts really make me laugh. He's so um, funny. I I, I and, and <laughs> like there's some I, I got the notes of what happened, but there is some stuff where I am just like, what the f like why why I, I guess like why were they uh, I'm I'm trying to see if there's any. Oh yeah, they ask. Uh, it, it, in that Gary Goldman article, they're they're like, I mean, it was also a very broy vibe on that. But so I'll I'll go to the thing actually. Now that not what. So he goes. They wanted to, they wanted to see Dane. Goldman goes. They wanted to see Dane. I mean, show business is humbling on its own. And then you get these extra special humblings. And so it was fun to be out on the road with Bob Kelly. We had a really great time. We'd been waiters together growing up in Boston doing comedy, so we had a really long history together. But it was really humbling. I was really trying to come to terms with the idea of being sort of a Robin or a Scotty Pippen to Dane's Batman or a Michael Jordan, which that's sad because Gullman is by far the most talented person on that. He's the only one that has bits in this that are still funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. And when he, he went is, on stage uh, drunk, I liked that. I don't know why. Because <laughs> he's like, I don't drink. And he goes up drunk. Um, so he goes, I mean, so he goes, yeah, which doesn't exactly fit you as I know you now. So I'm wondering if you didn't fit in very well in that scene. He's like, right. Yeah. The interesting thing is that I look like a bro visually. You fit in great. Yeah. Physically I'm a bro, but internally I'm more of the guy who works at the coffee shop and reads Camus late into the night, which is a very funny thing to say for anybody. I mean, have you ever seen, there's this amazing bit. I actually watched it because it reminded me when I saw Gary Goldman in this, it reminded me, uh, do you know Chris Fleming, the comic? I he has like poodly curly hair. Anyway, he's very funny, um, but he's very, uh, he's very androgynous. He's a Boston comic. Who's kind of like a generation below these guys. He's like around my age and he's friends with Gary Goldman and he tells the story about he he moves to Chris Fleming moves to LA and Gary Goldman's like I'm going to introduce you to some other comics from Boston who live in LA uh you know you're new to town we'll all hang out we'll have some common ground whatever and Chris Fleming says he's like Gary Goldman looks like an Adonis but on the inside he's like Bell and Sebastian it's all just like <laughs> like trumpety you know like ethereal noises or whatever but anyway so gary goldman's like come to my we're having a party this sunday come to my come to my friend's house and it turns out the party is the super bowl and the house is dane cook's house oh. and chris loving tells a story about being so uncomfortable um that he perches on the armrest of bill burr's seat 
is like just sort of like daintily perched and tries to uh, not make any sudden movements so people forget he's there. And it's very funny. That's an incredible anyway. crowd. I also <laughs> wanted to say in episode one of this, uh, it opens with, with words on the screen. Well, first of all, it opens with the most 2005 music combination of yes graphics wolf mother yeah <laughs> it is very <laughs> 2005 but it opens with this this on the screen in 2005 dan cook solidified his place in comic history when his cd retaliation skyrocketed to number four on the billboard charts making it the highest charting comedy album in 25 years that same year, Dane invited three comics, all at different stages of their careers, on a sold-out tour across the United States. This is Tourgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I hated this. This is Tourgasm. <laughs> I, I, I just, it, it's funny because he made the goddamn show. Is, yeah. is the situation, like all that stuff was written because he wanted to have that on i can't believe hbo picked up the show because it is not fucking good it is it's real. so bad it seems really homemade nothing happens in it uh there's no like storyline it's very light on the actual stand-up like it's not a stand-up concert film no. it's so strange um i do just 2005 reminded me that like watching this i was like i think this contains the most 2005 image possible, which is Dane Cook riding a Segway. That is yes. the most 2005 a thing has ever been. Well, it was that wild. scene I had a thought about, too, that I wrote down. So Dane, they're on these Segway scooters. Or no, they're on scooters. It's not Segways. In the first episode. In the first riding, episode, they're riding like Razor scooters. Yeah, motorized Razor scooters. And uh, Dane uh dan gets knocked off the scooter by bobby which is very funny i mean that's bobby's job to to actually yes. do that but then when it's over uh dane is like i think i broke a rib i think i'm hurt and then just walks over to jay jay davis and knocks him over yeah and it was yeah. just such a like holy fuck dude this is not all in good fun for you that like actually made you mad <laughs> right you need to you're like a monkey that needs to reassert its dominance yes. like i gotta go pick on someone else it is very directly yeah it i noticed that too a teen it reminded me yes. of being a teen boy when you would be hanging when i would be hanging out with my friends and we'd all be fucking busting balls and doing whatever the fuck we were doing you know get schoolboying people and and yeah. running up behind you yeah, just the stuff that teenage boys do the atomic elbow dusty Rhodes atomic elbow was like <laughs> there was a whole school year where you you couldn't walk down the hall without somebody running around running behind you and going like doing their arms and saying dusty and it just knocked you <laughs> on the head and when you do that but when that went there would be certain people when that happened to them that they'd be ready to fucking go they would be ready yeah. to get into a fight and dane like and Dan Cook again, he is he is thirty three years old in two thousand five. Jesus, he's thirty three years fuck. old. Well, and that's the other thing is uh, his girlfriend comes at the end of uh, episode three. I did look it up; she was twenty three years I old. Did too. So yeah, because <laughs> we know what his girl like. His he definitely his taste, met yeah. the woman he's dating when she was fifteen. I think is what. Yep. 
what the the math that's been worked out, which is wrong. That is actually if Dane Cook. Was it's really to, fucked up. Yeah. If a fifty year old man was trying to date my daughter, it would not make me feel. Four, three years ago, if a fifty three years ago was trying to date my daughter three years ago, that would have been a problem. So then on the bus, when they do get into the porn fight, that is when you first realize like they they planned all this shit. Like I have a doc coming out called Yell Stomp Hiss that I think will be out by the time this even airs on Means, uh, where nice. where they came with us on the road to uh, uh, the Hellfire tour. It was us, uh, the Sams from District Center. Much better name than than Torgasm. Thank you. <laughs> Much better. Us, and then uh, uh, the Trillbillies. We Trillbillies. all went together. This is the first time we. This is the second time we met the Trillbillies. Uh, but we just spent one night with them. We went to a gig they put on and we hung out. And uh, this tour, I, I guess it's good. I'm not, I can't. There's no way I'm going to be able to watch this documentary. First of all, it's just <laughs> going to be me standing around smoking. And it's going to make me want to get back to smoking again. Uh, Is uh, Are you carrying around your big box fan? In this to- in this I documentary, do hell yeah! Band is in the car. The cigarettes, <laughs> all the stuff I do on tour is is <laughs> all fucking there. But like, hell we yeah, didn't, we didn't have to. They never made us do anything at all. Yeah, like they never said, "Hey guys." Well, that's because you you guys are uh, naturally entertaining and have rapport with one another, and you don't need to be coached into uh, like saying things you Every know? now and then they would be like hey how do you feel about this or how do you feel about sure. that and then you just say how you feel and move away uh and he would take other uh, some of us on the uh, out at a separate time and and film us yeah. and filmed us you know all doing drugs and shit like that and <laughs> it was like watching this I was like, why couldn't they just do that? Why did they have to? Yeah. And and when they get into the argument about porno, it really made me. So they get into an argument where Dane and uh, Bobby are, and well, Gary kind of, but not really, are talking about porno. And they ask Jay what his favorite porno is. And it was fairly obvious that he was told to say that he doesn't like porno. I I mm-hmm. just don't think that I it didn't feel like his heart was in because they were like well why why don't you like porno he's like oh it's just I don't know what are you supposed to say well, we're going to talk about porno the whole time we're talking about it for twenty minutes what are we going to do talk about it for another twenty five minutes like that's the conversation and then he gets Bobby yells at him and says no it's talking about sex we're just talking about reminding each other that we like chicks and I was like that's two thousand five <laughs> baby yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's then- so funny because it's like it's uh, that is so 2005 and i feel like that is kind of the dane cook thing where it's like we're we're reminding you that we all like chicks but also all of this is like a little bit gay like we're trying to show you that we're progressive by allowing this to be a little gay but all in the service of reinforcing our heterosexuality it's very weird we're gonna remind people that we like chicks man and he's like i'm trying to be celibate would first of all that was I think this. Oh, that was like the fakest shit ever. Where he's like, "No, I don't watch porn because, like, how are you going to find the right girl if you're watching porn?" It's like, what are you talking about? He was told very to do weird. That. He was very absolutely much told to do that to make the show <laughs> to put friction 
on the show and then him and Bobby get into an argument and one of if you ever if if you want to watch this if you want to follow along with us all I can say is that like when they make up from this fight it is truly the fakest thing I've ever seen <laughs> it just was so bad yeah. and Bobby's like oh fine I won't bust your balls anymore which by the way if somebody said that to me I'd be like good don't I don't I don't like it it's not fun <laughs> that's the thing like I don't know. I mean, obviously I like tease my friends or whatever, but like if you're in comedy and someone and anyone like does this implication that you have to put up with that kind of shit, you don't, you don't, people don't get to talk to you that way. If you don't want them to like, especially people you're not actually friends with, that is not a requirement. It's so bizarre. I, I think that attitude has mostly gone away, but like, it uh it was there for a long time. I mean, it was there when I started. And uh yeah, sometimes you just have to be like, no, you don't get to talk to me that way. What the fuck? Absolutely not. <laughs> so in episode two, the thing that pissed me off um, <laughs> was when they fly from North Dakota to New Orleans. Cheating. Betrays the Absolutely cheating. The premise of the show. Like they mm-hmm. all flew separately across the country. <laughs> Okay, like that's that's nothing. Uh, and then they go the North Dakota stuff where they're riding the horses is just so boring. There is Abysmal. nothing fucking. There's nothing happening. The the that's the, when I looked it up and saw there were nine episodes, and I was like, why? Why is this nine episodes? I mean, Gary Coleman in here? is like having a tough time with his horse. That's the whole, everybody else is like, hey, we're out. And it's not even that funny. And he's not being funny about it. It's just something that's happening. (laughs) He's miserable. Uh, (laughs) I did say Jay Davis looks like a number 31 radio market DJ. So if anybody wants (laughs) to know. Maybe that's what he's doing now. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Also, uh, here's another thing. They super mic the audience. Uh, for the TV show in, mm-hmm. I mean, we're wrestling fans. We know how that works. If you don't, you got to mic the audience, but the goal is to mic the audience in a way that people can't tell you mic the audience, not yep. the loudest pop I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> yeah. life for Dane. Cook. It was <laughs> nuts. I wish I could play that pop. It's the loudest. It's just the loudest audience of all time. And it's because the mic is in the middle of the fucking room. Uh, yeah. In the middle of the audience. It's so frustrating. But yeah, uh, they go to Bourbon Street where there's a part where they're in Bourbon Street, Kath, when they're talking <laughs> to these girls and Bobby's like, uh, oh, we're I, I had to I had to like. I I don't know if I muted it or like fa- I was so uncomfortable during that I couldn't couldn't stand it. But anyway, explain it for for our listeners. These girls are kind of flirting with them and asking them where they're going, likely because it's Dane Cook or they have a uh, uh, they see the camera. Because a lot of times, if you're yeah. walking around with somebody with a camera, everybody stops and looks at you. My neighbor has never talked to me in all the time I've lived here. He's talked to Katie <laughs> and Gwen. I think he's afraid mm-hmm. of me, which is a thing that happens in my life because <laughs> I'm perceived as being surly at times. Um, and, uh, when we were doing that hellfire tour, I fucking, uh, got, I, I, we pulled up, I got out of the car and I was being filmed walking into my house and my neighborhood's like, what's that all about? My neighbor's like, what's that, what's going on? Why are they filming you? And I had to like explain it. That guy's never been interested in me, not even for one fucking second. So yeah, chances are 
people saw them being filmed and then started mm-hmm. to flirt with them. And then Bobby goes, we're gay. And they act like it's so uncomfortable because they're like, tee hee, oh, we're gay. And then when they walk away, Dane's like, I can't, I can't believe you told him we were gay. It's <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean about it's like, it's like being homophobic was like progressive somehow, then. <laughs> like, it's such a weird, like, inside out calculus of where it's like acknowledging that people are gay is funny i it's Mm -hmm. so weird it's very strange but yeah that that whole thing just i i died a little bit i couldn't watch it i was like watching it through my fingers (laughs) well and then i have to say well there's the climbing gym which is another yeah another fucking outing i'd be so mad yeah so mad if someone's like all right get off this fucking tour bus that you're probably all achy because like tour bus beds are tiny and weird now you have to go climb a wall with dane cook with the guy who is who is like humbling you every night because everyone who you're performing for is just killing time until he comes out and now he's like the fascist of your tour bus Mm -hmm. an awful awful and he's he's the fastest at climbing and he's like let me see if i (laughs) can break my record and they're all standing there watching him climb and you're just like wow man he's showing that he's the fastest climber it's like motherfucker they can't afford a physical trainer i could right Yeah. That if any of them had a trainer, they'd be able to at least try to pull it off, but he's just showing them he can do it. And that happens, something happens later on in episode three. But I, I want to say that quote that you had, I, I quoted that all the way at the end of episode two where he goes, Torquism yeah. is having an effect on everyone. I don't know what it is, but you can see it happening. <laughs> I don't know what the effect is, but there is an effect. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I'll, uh, I I want to tell I want to talk about a, a little letdown I had real quick. They did do a Chicago mm. show in episode three, and I was just crossing my fingers for a man cow appearance. Like I thought, yeah, they go on man cow. Uh, they didn't go on fucking man. I'm sort of surprised there hasn't been any morning radio because, like you said, this is kind of pre Dane Cook being huge but you know if it's colleges you don't need to uh, uh and bobby because it's all it's all like closed i think there's also that fraught relationship with more like bob bob kelly i don't think would be welcome on a lot of uh morning radio shows probably because yeah. of the opie and anthony stuff yeah so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. also they don't want to piss off opie and anthony because they're sort of you know right they have this thing and they have a big audience and they can turn people on so a lot of times a lot of these guys didn't do uh morning radio they wouldn't do something like man cow because uh, right it's a competition yeah and uh it's just like that that to me is like when i think about and he's not really he's not doing um like classic road comedy touring in this at all which as you said it's like very unrealistic for a lot of reasons going from college to college and tour bus isn't really like this but like when i think about sort of the quote unquote the road it's like you go to the place where the comedy club is and then you do their local morning radio show to promote it yes like that's that's the the your daily schedule like the mc wakes up at 4 30 in the morning to drive you to the radio gig and you sleep until it's time to go to the comedy club and then you perform which like i guess when you do colleges you don't need to do that because it's all just students yeah well dan gets on a private jet to go to new york to do five minutes and msg and see a doctor and then he flew back to michigan to do the show now the reason i'm bringing that up is uh they 
they put the camera on Bobby, Jay, and Gary and have them saying, if Dane Cook doesn't get here, they're going to riot. We're going to be in real trouble if Dane doesn't get here. This yeah. Could be a big fucking problem, which that's some Dane psychology that that was added into the show. But also the scene with Barry Katz. He's everybody's yeah. agent, but Bobby. And for some reason, he just tells them they're not putting in 100%. And yeah. that would be one thing if you saw them bomb. That they, the, all, right. all you know is that they do some jokes and then the crowd screams. You don't hear any jokes. Right. Like that to me would be the interesting show if we were talking about how what's going on on stage is affecting the power dynamics mm -hmm. between them. Like that to me is interesting. But yeah, you don't really see them. And you also like, also like, what is he talking about? Because all of these people are just there to see Dane Cook. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. No one's gonna, yeah, it does. Like, they're all along to do this reality show. It doesn't matter how they do on stage. Absolutely. Like, so, and right, if you're, it's hard to open for people anyway, you know, like people are there to see one specific thing generally. And then, yeah, I mean, like if you're opening for someone nice and who has nice fans, yeah, uh, and isn't just like a A list comedian, I like, I think it's fine. I have no problem with the fact that like nobody is there to see me, you know what I mean? But I think opening for Dane Cook in 2005 at a college, Can't I wouldn't win. wish that on anyone. But, <laughs> it seems so really hard. The next bit of bullying here is Jay getting a rash. Jay gets a fucking rash and he has anxiety about it. And they just keep poking his anxiety. They gaslight him about his fucking rash it's for so hours. Bad. Apparently yeah, it felt it's like hours. a nightmare, but the, <laughs> the way we're going to wrap this up here uh, is the go-kart situation. They go yeah. to a go-kart place <laughs> and it's the most it's insane because Bobby <laughs> wins. He wrecks Dane. He, he ends up wrecking into Dane Cook and Bobby wins. He gets the trophy and Dane Cook is pissed. And, and like, he's really fucking pissed. He, they, this is like a fucking like Kim Jong-un situation where like, you got to let him win. Like he's the, he's the totalitarian dictator. You have to let him think he's the best at go-karts. It's just not going to go well for you. Otherwise you're going to get executed. And they seem like they're, they do try to salvage it and be like, oh, Dane's just joking around at the end. <laughs> but like before he does, he is pissed off. He's mad. That yeah. he didn't win. And it was like, that That was almost like the, the point, I think, where I decided I don't like Dane Cook oh, through this whole thing. Cause you know yeah. what? We watched Good Luck Chuck. It fucking was a shit ass movie, but it's like, whatever, you know? Well, actually in Good Luck Chuck, uh dang cook has has uh his character fucks like 30 there's a montage of him fucking 30 different women in that mu movie that goes on for a very long time <laughs> like more than you would think like you're watching you're like it's different women. He's just fucking every and single one. And it's still going. And yep. Okay. Going. And you're like, yeah, Dan Cook gets a lot of, yeah, we get it. And then in Mr. Brooks, he's not bad in Mr. Brooks. I mean, it's not a good movie. It's not bad. And he's just a regular guy in that movie. 
you know? I understand, like, I, I get the appeal at the time. Like, I do. I As a per, he's char- he's very charismatic. He do- As I said, he has kind of a unique sort of, like, voice and sort of way about him. Uh, like, I get it. But yeah, then you see him the way he actually objectively behaves. <laughs> and it's like, your charm is not saving you here. Like, this no. is... <laughs> This is really because it is is, like when you're thinking about like, so then I watch vicious circle and me and John didn't like vicious circle. Neither one of us like the special. I think, what do you think his best thing is? I think it's probably retaliation, right? It has like, well, the the best thing vicious circle is hour and 40 minutes is the (sighs) most insane length for a comedy special that I could ever possibly think. When I decided to do this, I thought, well, there'll be some episodes where I just have to watch a comedy special. It'd be 45 minutes to an hour. And when I saw an hour 41, I was like, what the fuck? This kind of doesn't have an hour 41 material. Even if he did, you you shouldn't do it all in a row. (laughs) Like that's not (laughs) enjoyable. Yeah. But, I didn't like that special, but I I think I kind of thought like, well, you know, you see why people could like him. Now, this mm-hmm. is the first time through this whole thing where I'm like, I don't think this guy is is very likable. I I don't I don't think he seems like a good guy. And I watched him. He's re- got a real like edge, like a real unflattering edge to his personality that that comes out occasionally, and you're like, ooh, you're not. You're not as fun as you're pretending to be. <laughs> and I watched him on Logan Paul's podcast was one of the things. Ooh, I watched. And like I a watched recent. Him. Yeah. I watched him on Theo Vaughn's podcast and mm-hmm. like, I, I truly don't know that he's ever learned anything in his entire life. Like, cause they ask yeah. him what the backlash is and there's just not a thing in his body that thinks maybe he had something to do with it. And, uh, yeah. And it, it, to me, from what I can gather, I'm not going to listen to everything he does, but he was releasing these very long albums every year. And I just think he burned his material and he got to a point like, so next week I'm doing isolated incident, which is a, a, a newer one. It was done in front of 400 people at the laugh factory. And it's supposed to be the one where, he talks about his brother ripping him off and like he gets mm-hmm. more personal is what they say. Mm-hmm. Now that could mean that I end up liking him a little more after it, but it could also mean that much like this, when I see more of him, I like him less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he kept everything to like 45 minutes, like you should with a comedy set, maybe we'd be talking about like, Oh, he's actually really good. People need to reevaluate Dane cook. I think he has, but yeah, eyes. the more you see of him. Yes. That's the thing. He has this dark, this darkness to him. That is not, I mean, a lot of comics have kind of a, a dark <laughs> energy to them, but his is not compelling to me. It is not. I think the darkness in him is I'm very successful. Everybody's jealous because I'm se- I'm successful. And it's teen boy stuff. Like you said, it's yeah. re- it's total reaction. It's like, yeah, you're you're jealous of me. I'm the best. I got to be the best. I'm, you know, don't don't uh, challenge my position type stuff like everything comes from that reaction of i need to protect my position you know who it reminds me of in a way now he didn't do anything this bad i'm just saying uh <laughs> but I, I think he reminds me in a way of of bill cosby a guy not that he's a rapist i'm not saying that no i know what you mean i am saying that like bill cosby was this guy who 
was deemed a family-oriented com- comedian PG. He yelled at people who did dirty jokes and stuff like that. And he had this yeah. like real darkness inside of him that whole time where he was drugging women and stuff like that. And right. I don't think Dan Cook is like drugging women. I don't. I don't think he's a. Rapist. He's just slimy. He, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it it doesn't match his material. It, he seems like he does not seem nice. It when you watch this orgasm it feels like the other three guys are afraid of him and it seems like it's by yeah design. well that's and that's like i i think that's interesting because i i agree it doesn't match his material but it's like his material is really dirty mm-hmm. but again he has this energy where like women really responded to him mm-hmm. not that they thought he was like a safe person or anything necessarily but like he has this sort of comfort with himself in his material and with like these things that are supposed to be really embarrassing that like make him seem very secure. And then you see him off stage and you're like, this is an extremely insecure person. He's not this, vulnerable like, at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, he seems like he's projecting this vulnerability that comes with when you're secure in yourself. And then you see the way he treats these people and you're like, this is a, this is a total act. This is not guy. who this, this guy is. Yeah. yeah. This is the first time I've seen that in him. So, so we got one last thing left to do Kath and it is, it is how we end every episode. And now we're cooking and uh, we asked the question I'll answer first. So, you know, uh, are we cooking? And uh, my answer is no, I will never. I will never watch these three episodes of this show ever again. I have no desire to see the other episodes. However, you said there's nine or 12. There's nine. I could never, I think never watch three times more of this. (laughs) And I was telling, I was telling Kate, my wife, I was like, they're 28 minutes too. She's like, why don't you just watch the whole thing? Cause we're, we're kind of talking about it. And I didn't mention this. Gwen came in the room while I was watching to orgasm because I was watching it down in the living room. Uh, I would generally go in my office and watch bad stuff. The the bad stuff mm-hmm. I watch, I would go in my office and watch or watch on my phone. Somewhere. Into the bad stuff chamber. Yeah. And so I went, I was out in the living room. I was tired. I was just trying to relax. I was like, I'll just watch to orgasm here. She came in the room and it was during one of the performance scenes and she goes, this is really not funny. This is really bad. This is like, I don't remember which scene it was. It might've been during somebody's material, but then a couple hours later, she fucking, I'm downstairs playing with my Legos and uh, she comes in, she comes in, she, we were kind of having a conversation. She was like, you know, sometimes I think about your job and I'm like, he's so lucky. He doesn't have to do anything. It's like the easiest job in the world. And she was like, when I saw, when I see some of the stuff you have to watch, I, I respect you and I know how hard your job is. And I was just like, well, this is all I have to do. So it's not that thing where you should respect me. I'm glad you respect my job because I had to watch Torgasm. <laughs> That's very touching. That's very sweet of Gwen. But Kath, are you cooking? Are we cooking? Uh, we are absolutely not cooking. Oh, no. Um, I, I I need to share. I would love if you have any material from this that you've that you've picked out as your favorite. But I think my favorite uh, joke. First of all, I looked this up on Wikipedia to see how many episodes there are. And in for the reception part of Wikipedia, there is one line, and it says, 
Salon.com writer Heather Haverlewski described the series as, quote, the least worthwhile series to ever air on HBO. (laughs) So Uh, Louis C.K., which, you know, we know about him now, but I played I had a clip of him on Opie and Anthony where he said uh, they were talking about tourgasm and he was like, it sucked and nobody liked it. And and Bob Kelly is like uh, in the room, too. They're all on Opie and Anthony and Bob Kelly's like, hey, I'm not going to say anything. And Louis was like, well, my show was on before tourgasm so i got to look at how oh, ratings yeah. dropped off every night and then <laughs> by the end nobody was watching it it's like a two-minute <laughs> clip it's so mean but it is like the reception to this was not good i will i but yeah i will end in in my summation of why we're not cooking i will end with my the joke that has i texted this to somebody when it came up because it's just <laughs> so perfect which is jay davis in the first episode says He's talking about hurricane names. Presumably he's talking about Hurricane Katrina, which is insane. It's just an added piece of context to this joke. But he says, uh, he's clearly talking about how like Hurricane Katrina is a nice name or something. He's like, we should name hurricanes after somebody nobody likes. That's we should name after mean people. We should name a hurricane after my ex. Yeah, it'd be called hurricane bitch yeah. Punch, that's the punchline that was that's the it most 2009 joke i hurricane I, bitch yeah my ex-girlfriend she's a bitch yeah and and also just <laughs> it's perfect because it's coming out of the nice guy too. yes all of his the material you see the rest of the time is all about how nice he is and the one other joke you see him do is hurricane bitch <laughs> i assume he, he figures out kill him with kindness by the probably end. i hated when he said Ooh, he said uh i'm kind of like the btk killer but i'm actually the oh. tlc killer and i'm like Ugh. especially because then he spells out what tlc means like yeah. he can't let He's like, you know, tender, love, and care. We're like, if they're not going to get it, that's not going to make them laugh. It's, it's not so bad. Left eye and chili. We know it's not that. <laughs> Unless you're talking yeah. about killing them, which is actually, you know, I I'd listen to that joke and maybe that has legs. Yeah, who knows? Well, but yeah, Kath, I I loved doing this. It was so fucking fun. I thought it was really fun to do tourgasm with somebody that I've toured with. Yeah, uh, I am. Thank not you for having me. Like Dane Cook. I am nice. No. I'm a pain in the ass. And Kath did see me carrying my fan and my pants falling down. <laughs> but you know what? That wasn't on purpose. I was just, we, we had to run. We were staying at a hotel. The checkout time was 11 and we thought it was noon and we had to leave fast. We had to scramble out of the hotel. I think that was probably the crankiest. No, I have I have only good memories of that tour. That was, was that was a lot of fun. I loved yeah. that fucking tour. I, I've even said, We got like, to perform in a wrestling ring. It was awesome. It would that kicked ass and also the uh uh what was the other thing? We had a wedding at one of our shows. Yeah, at that old strange. blues hall. That was that was cool. It was so strange. We had a wedding and I'm sure the person <laughs> that got married is listening, but the guy kept looking at me and Brett the whole time instead of the woman who was <laughs> And I was like, no, you gotta, you're in love with her, not, not us. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're standing here. They put the mic in my hand. 
like they wanted me to goof on it like wanted me to comment yeah. remember because they put a the, nobody else had a mic they put a mic in my hand they're like just say whatever you want dude i'm like i don't i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna that. commentate your wedding it's your wedding yeah but that it was, was wild a, it was a fun tour and it was nothing like this and this just absolutely not the darkness and dang cook so we're not cooking and honestly <laughs> i don't know what order these are going to come out but i'll say this we've only been cooking one time we cooked once <laughs> What was it for? Or is Mr. it not? Brooks. Can you not say? Mr. Mr. Brooks is cooking. We were cooking. I, you know what? It's hard to find. You can't buy it in the United States. I had to use a VPN and watch it on Mexican <laughs> Netflix. But uh, Amazing. it's not bad. He's pretty good. All right. And Kevin Costner's really the star. So, yeah. All right. Everybody, we'll be back next week with something. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. I haven't written it out, but this was fun. Thanks for doing it, Kath. Yeah, thank you. Oh, Thanks for listening, where everybody. I can find you. God damn it. I messed that <laughs> up. It's all good. Uh, you can find me on my one of my podcasts. One of them is called What a Time to Be Alive. I do that with Patrick Monahan and Eli Uden. I just had Patty on to do Gut Shot. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so sure I he loved that. whole podcast. <laughs> well, the good thing about Gut Shot is you watch it with me. You, you mm. don't have to watch gut. You don't have to watch it in it. solitude. Yeah. We watch yeah. it together and goof on it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that comes out every week. We talk about stupid news stories from the past week. And then my other podcast is uh, lie, cheat and steal, which is a true crime podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. We do two free episodes a month and two on our Patreon. Uh, I'm Kath Barbadoro on social media and I live in New York and I do stand up comedy around New York. So follow me there. Go Thank see you. her. She's great. Everybody likes oh, her. Thanks. It's wonderful. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye-bye.